The following podcast is part of the 6040 Network. Hello and welcome to Everything Small Business, your shortcut to start, build, manage and grow your small business. I'm Spencer. And I'm Cherie. And today I am super excited because today's episode, we're going to discuss whether it's possible to do business without cash and how to utilize alternative commerce solutions. By the end of this episode, you'll be able to confidently navigate and execute innovative ways of doing business when cash is just not available, as we believe lessons learned should be lessons shared. So today is all about alternative commerce. And if you remember, we called it alternative commerce because it's more than just alternative finance. Finance puts it in a box. Commerce opens up to the world of opportunity. So would you like to share with all of our listeners why we've worked this way and the types of different opportunities that they can actually run through? Nine topics that we'll, or probably Sheree will talk about today will be strategic partnerships, joint ventures, quotes, barter, delayed or staged payments, crypto, co-founder, equity arrangements, and mentor, or being a mentor, or finding a mentor. Both. Mentorship. Both. Mentoring. But first, we're going to start with strategic partnerships. I'm going to lump them together with joint ventures because they both basically produce the same outcome, and that is a win-win relationship. Um, It sort of builds upon the collaboration that we discussed last time. But basically, it's about taking the strengths that each party has and bringing them together to produce an end result that's like exponential. So something better together than you could achieve for yourself. Yeah, agreed. Am I right in saying that a joint, uh, basically a strategic partnership would be creating a new entity and a joint venture would be two entities or the other way around? Other way around. 50-50. I had one job, Spencer. One job. No. You're right. <laughs> so Correct. A joint venture. A joint venture is normally a more formal arrangement that people would enter into, and oftentimes they do create a different entity in order to to do that. Strategic partnerships are usually way more informal, and that's just two people coming together. They'll usually be there for a specific project or like a marketing partnership, for example. So they'll run a campaign together and then disband. Each goes their own separate way. With a joint venture, it's usually a lot more formal. It might be a much longer term project. You'll usually see joint ventures in really big uh, collaborations or in things like construction. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so strategic partnerships and a lot like the collaborative things we were talking about previously. Definitely. Customer acquisition, basically. Well, quoting, so we've got quoting on here, which is probably more of a traditional, what everyone's used to, as opposed to an alternative one. Why do, what do we, so, where am I going with that? So why did we include quote as alternative commerce? Yes. Okay. So we did that because we wanted always for people to get the best value for money. And one of the best ways that they can do that is to put it out to quote. Now there are a n- number of different places that you can go to do that, but we found them a bit too specific. And oftentimes you're not getting, you're not being able to get quotes that compare apples with apples. And as you know, clients sometimes can't always brief professionals because they don't know what they don't know. So what we've done is use our quote process to ask a bunch of questions about industry specific topics. So for example, using me, if you want to get a quote from an accountant, you can pop online uh, onto our platform 
and then run through a series of questions that then specifically tell me when I get that email uh, coming through what it is about your situation and how I can best serve you. So it then means that you're getting a quote that's much more tailored to your own situation and it's without having to actually sit down and run the brief yourself. But it also means that when I give you a quote, you can compare mine far more easily against somebody else. 100%. And you're right with people don't know what they don't know. Um, I guess as an example, like if I was to engage a bookkeeper, I wouldn't really know what to tell them. Like basically I do, I have zero. I send invoices and like money comes to the bank. <laughs> um, but in order for them to be able to provide you with a, a better uh, quote or a, a better, yeah, better, better quote, um, they would need to know different things like uh, what, what software, I guess, do I use? Receipt Bank or HubDoc or whatever to, to record receipts. I guess if I'm using something like that, it might make it a bit easier for them rather than giving them a shoebox of stuff at the end of the month. <laughs> um, if I want them to do payroll, if I want them to look after super, how frequently I want them to do that. And they're all things that will affect the price. So yeah. at least being able to answer those questions means that you'll then get a better understanding of the job as somebody who's asking for it. But also the person on the other side can give you a great quote without losing a lot of time in the backwards and forwards to clarify questions. Yeah. Great. But is an interesting one. Um, I quite like that, especially given what's going on at the moment. There are people that may be a little light on cash with lockdowns and things of that nature. But they might have a bit more time. They might have more time and they've got a skill set. So um, it's all, I guess it's about how do you trade off what you need for what you want. Yeah. My only concern, I guess, with the barter thing is how do you make it clear that I guess it's it's making it clear so that both sides of the like of the barter deal understand what they're getting because I guess there would be different depending on who you do who you do a barter deal with there could be different time frames in the deliverables of what you're um, delivering. Absolutely. And I mean, on our platform, as you know, we run through an agreement process. So we're asking you to frame up these things. So if it is something like build me a deck and I'll exchange you some accounting fees, um, that deck might be built in a month. But that value for me is to work, I, I work for 12 months under a contract for that. And that just gives both sides the security and knowing that you're getting what it is that you're expecting when you're choosing to exchange that value. Yeah. And that's why I love it so much because you choose the value. It's the, it's in the eye of the beholder. Yes. Our list is delayed and staged payment terms. Now, we put this one in here. It kind of seems like a bit of a weird one because it should not normally be something that you just have a chat about. But oftentimes, like we've said before, having that money conversation can be really quite tough. So this type of a thing is about being able to be open to say, look, I'm not going to have the money to pay you, but will you accept still working for me and under what terms and what time frame do you want to get paid? That's a good point. I know in the past, yeah, there's been times where I would have been happy to, like if you were asked the question, you're more than happy to look at a, a delayed or a, a payment structure that might go over a different time frame, just given the, just if you had been, you know, having that question beforehand. But you might charge extra to yeah. compensate for it. So, you know, it might be that you get paid up front normally and it would be say a thousand dollars but to defer the arrangement it might be that it's fifteen hundred dollars um not necessarily it's not an implicit interest it's actually more to do with the fact that you're foregoing that right to earn that money for another 12 months time yes yeah 
But the next one I like, I think it's a bit misunderstood, and that's cryptocurrency. I think people get confused between blockchain and crypto, like the two different things. How how would you see crypto working in a in a work? I guess in a alternative commerce. I mean, I guess it's in the name, really, the alternative commerce. This is in on our platform, though. It's about being able to find other people open to the opportunity to do business using crypto as a payment method, as opposed to um, having to open that conversation. It, it's about being able to be found very easily and being open to the fact that you'll exchange crypto in exchange for your services. Yeah. But you are right. You'd be happy this week if you um, were accepting crypto. <laughs> maybe not last month, but this week's good. Well, maybe last month, <laughs> yes, but uh, in anticipation of this week. Well, that's right. If you got paid last month this week, you'd be happy. Definitely. And, and you are right. I think that there is a bit of a misconception about crypto and blockchain. I mean, crypto is, is I guess, the currency aspect of it. It's supposed to be a method of exchange, whereas blockchain is, is way more than that. It's essentially a, a ledger that just captures transactions, I guess, for a very simplified way to describe it. And there's two ways to have that. It's centralized or it's decentralized. How do you find who you can transact with with crypto? Yes. It, it is interesting, isn't it? Like, it is interesting because... I mean, you don't just have a sign on your door like you accept Visa card and MasterCard. There's no, no I accept Bitcoin or ETH or... You, you know. can actually on your website. On your website. So there are now payment gateways that can do it. But but you have to go searching. So you need to know who you, it is that you're looking for, like what's the service provider and then yeah. do they provide this? Yeah. And just the volatility, I guess, of it at the moment. But I that's, think like Cardano alone in the last... Uh, like 10 days, no, maybe a month. I'll say month. I think it's less, two weeks. It's gone up like 140%. Imagine getting paid like a month ago and you've just doubled it or you put the quote in now and then it goes the other way. It drops 140%. And that's part of the challenge and it's part of the risk. Yeah, yeah. And then when, and then I guess also which cryptocurrencies, because you, you obviously got blockchain, uh, sorry, Bitcoin, which I guess is being looked at now as like the digital gold version you perhaps wouldn't trade in Bitcoin as much. That would be a store of value. And then you got like the second generation kind of blockchain, like ETH, Ethereum or whatever coming through that now, that's going off as well. And then you got other ones like Cardano, which are, are really cool, um, which again, oh, I mean, there's there's a lot of them, isn't there? Polkadot. Um, I mean, that's a whole, there's a whole other thing there. The but whole DeFi thing as well now, like um, but I, I mean, don't know if it's done, but home loans through crypto. Mm. And I guess some of it too though is, is okay, you can receive it, but how do you transact with it? So even as a business owner, you still got to convert paid, it to fiat. Yeah. Well, do you, or can you use it to actually buy what you need? Yeah. But then if you do convert it to fiat, like the different, um, this is something you would definitely know more, like the different taxable events that are happening as you're doing all that. And that's so, an evolving area of the law at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You know, they come out with, um, I mean, there's certainly guidance notes with respect to that, but the timing of the event becomes critical. Yeah. Around crypto as well, I guess, the, there's the other things with the blockchain and the, that it's actually a technology. So what about you? Would you accept cryptocurrency in payment? I would. I wouldn't go 100% crypto, probably due to the the fact that we still need to pay for things in fiat like you're not gonna uh, i know that guy from brisbane was able to do it for six months i think he had quite a few challenges doing it um and at the moment we still need 
cash to do certain things or like fiat money or whatever you want to call it. But definitely I think there's a future in cryptocurrency and I would certainly look to um, accept, uh, it depends on, on what it was, but uh, a decent chunk in cryptocurrency. Quite volatile, but I, I only see it going up. So I think it's a good investment in the long term, depending on, I guess it's, it's an unknown, but yeah, that would be my view. I'd, I'd take some cash and some crypto. Yourself? I'd probably be in the same boat. I think I would accept some and probably the, the two or three larger ones, to be honest. I'd choose the, Ethereum, Bitcoin and um, pr- probably Cardano. Yeah, so that, that would be the other yeah, which um, one do you choose? point to that. Yeah, so definitely Bitcoin, Ethereum. I don't think you could go wrong. But obviously this yeah, not advice for anyone. Um, and I really like Cardano, but that's just more about what that company is wanting to achieve and the things that they're rolling out with their technology and um, especially through Africa and what they're doing there. So I think they just rolled out, um, what was it? It's the largest implementation of a blockchain technology basically for uh, for school reports. So um, our student school reports will be stored on the Cardano blockchain and that way if there's anything that ever happens to a school, it gets burnt down, records aren't lost. They, they can assess them from anywhere. I guess that's kind so of... I think that's really exciting, but... I mean, that was a major rollout because it was a whole country level, but then you've yeah. even got things like Credly, which are digital badges that yeah. help achieve that same confidence in the um, education verification process. Yeah. I guess if people were going to look at um, accepting that and, and what they would choose to accept, then they would need to do the research... Absolutely. And that, that's, I guess, why I would select Cardano just based on the companies. Like, I guess it's like an investment. Like, if you're going to go buy shares, you, you still got to do the research on who who you're investing in, who's the running the company, what's their long-term plan and all those sort of things. And ultimately, it's personal choice. Yeah. The next one on our list is one that we know quite well. Co-founder. Co-founder. Um, mm-hmm. This was my first time being a co-founder, I guess. I've always worked or owned the business myself. So far, it's great. <laughs> it's good being able to share the responsibility and, ha- and have like the, the, the different um, inputs and knowledge. And, and it, like, yeah, I mean, if I think back to the very beginning, even it's like kind of had this like seed of an idea of what we thought could be cool. Um, but then your interpretation of the idea and then how that could grow or change as well. So being open to all that ended up creating something that was much different or not much uh, different well, and just evolved from, from the original idea, which is great. Totally. And I mean, now might be the best time to actually explain a little bit more about our own co-founding journey and how we came to be. Because we originally were a party of three and now we're two. Um, that basically came down to a change in our vision and in being able to really articulate the goals that we wanted to do. And I know that when you first came in and showed me the proposal, I was a bit of a bubble burster and sort of really um, smashed into it. I don't think that the original competition had been completely thought out. I think you're actually competing against um, more than you thought that you were, which was great because at least then it was on the table and we could have a look at it. But after the time with the third person and them not buying into our longer term vision or understanding why we were putting a pause on testing so that we could really flesh out well does this idea have merit that to me was 
an eye-opening experience because in this co-founding journey for me, what I found was this is the first time ever that I was so compelled by the mission of what we wanted to achieve that I was prepared to do anything to make our mission happen. I, I'm a member, I guess, of a few startup groups on in Facebook. Um, there's there's a there's a few of them. I can link to them if if anyone wants to um, join them. I guess I'll put them in the show notes. It's amazing how many people on there are looking for a co-founder. It's really interesting, like what happens after that f- message. You know, so they basically like, they might pitch something or they might just say, "I've got an idea in this sector, and I'm looking for." Uh, generally a developer, to be a co-founder. I guess we know through for our experience, like, the, you know, it's not an easy, no, it's not, not, not an easy thing, but there's questions and things that need to be formalised and put in place first. Yeah, it's not just a private message on a Facebook page. I no. mean, it might be something even closer than that. You might be wanting to go into business with your best mate, for example, yeah. or, you know, somebody that you know incredibly well. The reality is, is unless you have some of these hard conversations up front, you're basically setting yourself up for failure. Um, I don't know about you, but it's been my experience in dealing with, in working with my clients that the wheels will always fall off when it comes to money. Yeah. It just, it's inevitable. It's, you know, when things are going well, things go well. When things don't go well, they just fall apart. And I've seen really long-term relationships fall apart as direct results of not having hard conversations right from the front and not having that. I guess, a framework around or an agreement that basically ties things together to say, well, at least we've considered what happens if or where's our exit point. And I think that those are important conversations to have. What you look for in a co-founder, like we work well together because we have a completely different skill, well, not completely, yeah, well, completely different skill set. So we get the best of both worlds. Is there something you should look for in a co-founder or? My personal view is I think that, Every case is going to be different. Who you want to work with? I mean, I guess the real reason is firstly, think why do you want Back a co-founder? Why? Yeah, why do you want them? And what are you hoping that they're going to deliver for you so that you can help get the end result? I think that that t- sort of ties back into everything really small business because as a small business owner, you're resource poor uh, in terms of time and money usually. So it's kind of like how do you get the end result that you're looking for? And that's that's where these things like alternative commerce come into being. You know, it's not really just about – it's not just about co-founding. It might be how do you – it might be strategic partnerships, for example. It might be a co- finding a co-founder isn't actually the best option. It might be instead that you're actually looking for a strategic partnership. But you still have to question the reason of why is it that you're looking for that and then what boundaries are you going to put around the agreement that you're looking to make? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the the why for me, I guess, like why come back to that. What we were talking about previously, the why, why are you doing this, and why do you want to do it, or why this business, why do you want to do it? Um, and that was important. And yeah, they felt like a. It didn't feel like everyone was in a line, which no, there was for a, me was a disconnect. Yeah. And so, I mean, basically, we've we've definitely learned a number of lessons there and moved moved onwards and upwards. That's the thing. You never stop learning lessons. There's always lessons. And that's cool if you're learning and you're not repeating them, but <laughs> lessons are good. <laughs> definitely. 
Um, and obviously that really close parallel to that's your equity arrangement. So you've already got something that's in place and then being able to ask somebody to come in in exchange for equity. And that won't always necessarily be for cash because the first question for that should always be, well, what did you want to use the cash for? And oftentimes when that question's explored, it's because you wanted to spend the money on actual professional services. So with what we're trying to do is it's to open the door to being able to bring on who you need without necessarily having to have that cash. Yeah. And that's great from a service provider point of view because they essentially get to invest with their time as well. So that it, I guess it's them investing without cash also. It's like a sweat equity. That's not really all it's cut out to be though, is it? Like when people see an equity agreement, so being an accountant, that's still money, isn't it? Absolutely. So Same with all of these, barter, everything is still treated as a cash exchange. Yeah, so you, you still need to declare these things, don't you? It's not just a case of like, I've just given you $50,000 worth of time because the tax man's still going to look at that. And as say that's $50,000. And if you're registered for GST... I'd like my little cut of that and make yeah. sure you declare it as income. Yeah. I'm not sure if everyone maybe contemplates that at times, but it's, yeah, something they need to consider. It's a factor for sure. And last one, mentors or mentorship or mentoring. Mm. We've mentioned the co-action project before. Um, and what I really like to guess about, or, or part part of that whole experience, and it's obviously going to the experience is going to continue later on. Um, was the people that reached out to us, and it's amazing how many people ha have gone through something before and been successful and launched something, but now want to share their time. So, what a gentleman that reached out to us, Brad was a great guy. I jumped on a, a Zoom call with him. I guess well, it would have been Zoom anyway because he's down in Sydney, but yeah, he's been successful. And wants to mentor startups, but he does it for no cost. He doesn't want to be paid. Um, and he, yeah, I thought that was really, really cool that there's people out there that have gone through the journey. They've learned lessons. They want to share them as well and are open to helping the next generation sort of come up through. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I mean, I think one of the, the, the case, the use cases that we discussed about this, and this is just, it was not even a use case. This is like a real life thing is as people get older, their skill sets are actually still incredibly valuable, but the employment prospects might have gone down. And as a result, they still want to share the knowledge that they've got. And this was a way of being able to open a door to help them help both parties. Like, so somebody who's looking for a mentor in a space and the person who wants to mentor or share their knowledge. Oh, there's a wealth of knowledge there as well. The wisdom. I mean, th this is like a, a really, really big topic that we've, I guess, just touched on and we'll probably be able to dive into some of these more uh, deeply future things maybe with with other guests. But if anyone listening was interested in finding out more about alternative commerce options, um, we've got some resor resources on the website. So we'll post a link in the show notes and you're welcome to um, jump on and, and have a read. Well, that's everything small business for today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to stay up to date with our show, please subscribe or follow in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. If you know someone who might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them or share it on your socials and tag us. Until next time, this is everything small business.